You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Good afternoon, everyone. A good Arab Shabbos. I'm Avram Kivalevich, and this is one-on-one with Charlie Harari. Many of us are preparing for Shabbos, and in a usual year, we'd be thinking about going to the Rav's Drosha, the Shabbos Hagodel Drosha. We'd be getting our Divrei Torah ready for Pesach. Um, the Divrei Torah ready for Pesach, we can definitely do. Maybe we even have more this year. But we're not going to have Droshas from the Rabbonim, at least face-to-face, maybe through Zoom conferencing or before Shabbos. So I thought that since a purpose of the Shabbos Hagodel Drosha is not only to teach the halachas of Pesach, but also to teach the attitude for Pesach, to teach a vart that allows you to get through not only the first night of the Seder, but the whole Pesach. I thought I would ask my friend Charlie here for a vart that he thinks would be a, something maybe that he would say, uh, something that he thinks maybe we should hear. So Charlie, uh, I'm going to turn you into the Shabbos Hagodol, Arab Shabbos Hagodol rabbi, and ask you for a nice drasha. Of course, once I ask you for one, I'm probably going to give one too at the end, but go ahead. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you for the opportunity. So I, I'll tell you what I tell my kids every single year. Um, you know, when you look at the structure of the Haggadah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The, most people, if you ask them what is the, the goal of the Seder, they will say to tell over the story of Yitzhiyat's Mitzrayim. Sipur Yitzhiyat's Mitzrayim. But it's, there's a couple of problems with that. First of all, you don't see us doing that much. We don't, we don't spend a lot of time telling over those stories. The, the amount of time that we put into this story, it seems, it seems like it's, it's inappropriate. We don't sit around on Shavuos night and tell over the story of Matan Torah the way we do this. We don't sit around on Sukkot and go, guys, do you remember what it was like to be in the desert and it was so hot and we almost died in the clouds of glory? We don't, we even, even by Purim, we sit by the Megillah. We don't sit at the Tzudah and like, God, no, listen, kids, you got to get what happened. And Esther and Achish, we just, we have a Megillah. And the kids will figure it out when they get older. They'll get tested on it. I don't know. The Messiah passes the way the Messiah passes. Like, it's in the, it's in the Sefer Torah. It's in the Torah. And, and even if you go just a step further, as a storytelling mechanism, it's not very efficient. This happens to me all the time. I get pumped for the Seder. I sit down. And then it keeps on disappointing me, right? You're like, and you're like, okay, here it goes. But it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Most of the Seder is like, oh, and even if we were Kulana Chachavim and Avodim, like, I, what, what is it? That's not, okay, I got it. Like, I appreciate going through the Hilchus, Sipri, Smart, but like, this isn't the time. Like, this is, this is showtime. The, the lights just went on. Like, we got to talk about like, my Sibri, I got to talk about the four bundin. What does that do with the story? I got, Yachum, Rosh Chodesh? Like, who cares? It's not Rosh Chodesh. Like, we we're constantly like pump faking it. And then when you get to the final part, part is Sipri Yisrael Mitzrayim. Sipri Yisrael Mitzrayim starts with Arami Obed Avi. You would think that when you get to Sipri Yisrael Mitzrayim, you know what the, the, the Balei Agada would do? They would go to Shmos and they would open up the book the way God tells it, cut and paste the relevant parts, and we'd actually read the story. They don't do that. They go to Devarim. They pick out a what seems like an irrelevant part of Torah compared to the story of Yisrael Mitzrayim. Later on, after Beis HaMikdash, when the farmer brings in his Bikurim, they give him five lines to say. And then they take those five lines and they dash out the entire story out of those five lines. 
it seems like everything that has to do with the direct goal to the Sefer Yisrael is not that at all. We don't do it anywhere else. We don't really tell the story efficiently at all. By the time you get to Aram Yavid Ovi, most people are like, you know what, I'll meet you at Dayenu. God, I'll meet you at Dayenu. We're exhausted from the over-elongated Manishtana, from the hall, all the Vartlach that everybody throws out on the front end without any real you know, time management. And the last part of the whole thing is the story which comes out of the Varm, what's going on. So I'll tell you quickly, and then we can go over this forever, but I won't. Yeah, well, I, I, again, as a rabbi and as a person who's probably said even more storm than you have, I, I got responses to you, but I, I obviously these are these are questions uh, that didn't start with Charlie. These are questions which I think uh, uh, yeah. many many mafarshim deal with. But I'm yeah. you're wetting my appetite for uh, yeah. for the answer. So I heard something from I heard from a bunch of different people answers. One of them was from a guy named Rav David Foreman, and some other people as well opine on this. And I want to share with you a thought. They did some great research out of the university, out of Emory, Emory University, a guy named Marshall Duke. And they studied people that overcome challenge. And they found something fascinating. That if you want to predict resilience in kids, what he found was that you can map the resilience of individuals to the knowledge of your history. Family history is correlated to personal resilience. What he found was it wasn't the history from the level of like, you knew that your grandmother when she was 12 lived in this town where your grandfather came to this country and started an apple. It wasn't that. It was narrative. We were up, we were down. And we found was there were three stories, family narratives. One was called the ascending narrative, which is we were down and we grew and we grew and we got better and better and better. And he found that was like, it had like a mediocre impact because to always be going up, you got to whitewash all the bad stuff. And the kids are smarter than you think. And you don't mention that uncle. And you don't tell the story about this father. All right. You can't always be doing better than you were yesterday. Second was the descending narrative. We did great and some took it from us. The victim, that's terrible. What they found was that the narrative that was mostly tied into resilience was what's called the oscillating narrative. We were up, we were down, we were up, we were down, we were up, we were down. And the reason was because once your identity, which is connected to your family, is ups and downs, it builds resilience. When you're up, you know that it's, you can go down. And when you're down, you know you're going to go up. And the, the more a person, a kid, was connected to his family history with those narratives, the more that kid can overcome their own challenges. Maybe the reason why we... the story I'll sleep at the fourth maca like I don't know we're gonna make it everybody knows the story we're not giving over to our kids the story we're giving over to our kids as a narrative the Bali Haggadah is saying you want to hear the story go to Shmos I'm not doing that tonight here's what we're gonna do we're gonna go to Devarim because you know what the Mikra Bukurim is a narrative Arami Ovid Avi V'yeri Mitzrayma and we were a guy Gadol Atzim Vrav you know what we started off okay and then the Mitzrim started oppressing us. And then we went down. We called from the depths. We went up. And we went up and up and up. And you know what that, 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 that storyline is? You know how we darshan from there? Because we are trying to see the world through a narrative. Things are okay. Things go down. We, we cry to Hashem. Things go up. 
things go down, things go up, things go down, things go up. When times are tough, we turn to God and God saves us. Bisha'amda, every generation. We're not teaching our kids a story. We're teaching our kids the Jewish narrative, our family narrative, the Jewish family narrative. And the more the kids know our family history, things are good, things are tough, things go up. When things are hard, you turn to Hashem, Hashem saves us because he loves us. When that becomes the lens in which you see the story now, not as a cool thing that happened 2,000 years ago, you start to apply that story to your own life. That's what I try to do with my kids at the Seder. I try them to see the world not from a cool story that happened with plagues and frogs and split seas, but to see it as a recurring narrative of the Jewish people going up, turning, going down, turning to Hashem. Hashem saves us not because we have the right schusim, He saves us because He loves us. And I think more than ever, if we were able to bring that into our lives now, in worlds, in times of insecurity, we'd be able to see that we're not celebrating Pesach, we're living Pesach. And that's where we keep the kids up. Not because they need to know the story, because they need to know the narrative. So I'm just thinking, Charlie, and it's a very, very subtle and important idea, but I'm just thinking because you didn't really, you, you basically answered one of your questions, which is why we start from Mikra Bikurim, but why do we have all this introductory material? So I'm just thinking from what you're saying is because speaking about the the the, the, the sort of the rabbis of Torah Shabalpeh and B'nai Brak, and speaking about four sons is part of the pictures on the wall of the Jewish family. We can relate more to those Rabbanim who are so much part of our Jewish life, who are so much part of a Talmudic life, so much part of a Talmudic uh, mentality, that they sort of have to enter because it's the Mishpacha. And so is the Dalad Banim, because clearly Dalad Banim is, we're sitting at the table with the Banim. So as much as... Um, as you say, uh, we would start with the narrative from Shmos, but we actually have to set the table with the people we're familiar with. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Tarfon, uh, those are almost like our uncles from, <laughs> from Eretz Yisrael. And when we see them, we actually have the hook of familiarity. And not only that, but we also have the typical way of, you know, what a Jew does. Here's one verse. Let me show you another verse that might mean that as well. The conversation that occurs yeah. is more of the standard Jewish way of thinking and talking. Rav Salvechik said it was more about Lima Atayra, even though we're basically just quoting one Pusik and another Pusik, but that's really part of the way we speak. It's not a documentary <laughs> like Claude Lonsman's Shoah of the story of the Holocaust. It's actually more a Jewish conversation. And sometimes the Jewish conversation starts in an anachronistic fashion. Did I sort of like uh, fill out the answers to the to, to the other stuff? I'm yeah, sure. I, I had a different approach, but I like your approach. And I think, you know, there's multiple ways of seeing it. I, I, my my approach was 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 going to be in the world of, of attention. When you want to ac- capture someone's attention, there's a famous writer named Robert McKee speaks about, how you write a story that's compelling. And he speaks about the, the greatest technique of a writer, uh, of a storyteller is tension and release of tension. And as that, as you go through the story, the tension only increases. So 
the Kodesh Baruch Hu being the ultimate storyteller and the, the Bale Haggadah, understanding the human mind as well as they did, understood that the only way I can keep the world at attention is through tension and release of tension, which is why we do things that are different, which is why we prompt the questions, which is why we build the tension that it's coming. It's coming. Even the rabbis, even the four children, even Yahweh, it's a constant growth of something's going to be on top of this mountaintop. So we're not going to sit down and in minute one, turn to the page and get sure. into the first place. That's a, that's a cinematic and literary technique. It's almost right. like, um, and, and I'm sure nobody has ever made this connection, but if, and like Alfred Hitchcock's classic Psycho, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but in there, of course, there's the, the murder scene, but of course it's the buildup to the murder scene. Yeah. All those little yeah. details are, are setting the, 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 the groundwork. I, I just say one yeah. last thing, and then I want to share you one little idea, which I, uh, I, I hope you'll appreciate. I think one of the reasons why we, you know, the Rambam says to be Mesapir, the Nisim of, 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 of the night of the 15th. It's not clear what the Rambam means. Does he mean use the 15th to talk about the whole story? Or do we need to emphasize what happened on that night? We don't really talk so much about that evening, that night. We talk about Gili Shechina. We talk about, and then Kriyas Yamsuf was sort of like a later edition. I think sometimes the event of that moment, that 15th, that Chatzos moment, that Gili Shechina, it's sometimes almost the idea of the formation of the Jewish people at that moment, the death of the firstborn, but also the galvanization and the uh, in what happened to us is so it's almost ineffable. You almost can't describe it. It's 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 like you can talk about all the things before and even mention the plagues, and but that moment of Yitzias Mitzrayim, the thing that you're supposed to really talk about, it's almost like a text can't do justice to it. It's 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 that birth moment, that birth moment of midnight where we became that it's the verbiage can only suggest. And then you've got to feel that moment. Maybe that's the, another reason why there isn't so much text about that. I'll share you one little idea, Charo, and I, and I appreciate what you're saying and from Rabbi Foreman. And this maybe might be one of the different Torah that you sort of like had no patience for in the past, but I think it has a special relevance today. Here's a great question. Elazar ben Azariah, right? Hare ani kiben shivim shana. Okay. Charlie Harari and every other student probably knows. Well, he's not really seventy, right? But right. right, but but he's but he was really only seventeen or sixteen according to your Shalmi, eighteen according to the Babli. Now, it, it, and, and of course, he says Lozachisi should tell Meretzias Mitzrayim, Ad Shador Shabenzoma. Isn't that a braggart? You know what I'm saying, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like if Charlie, if you, if I would come and say, you know, uh, I, I'm Charlie, I'm Avram Kivalevich, and I, and I've been doing this for years, and I couldn't figure it out until somebody told it to me. That's sort of like a back giving yourself a like a backhanded compliment instead of saying Amar Belozer Ben Azari Amar Ben Zoma. He says, "Look, I'm Kiben Shivim Shana. Look, and, and I I haven't been able to do it." throughout Talmud, throughout Medrash, throughout the rabbis, give the guy his credit. Just say, I heard from Benzoma this. Why, why does it have to be introduced with, you know, 
I'm Ben Shivim Shona. I'm I'm so smart that they made me the the Nasi of Klal Yisrael, and I've got the brains of a seventy year old, even though I'm only a young. And in fact, the fact that he was young is probably a reason why he didn't hear about it. Did he have to know every drasha? He was he was the beginning of his life. He says until he came up with this call, Yemei Chayach. I didn't have a source for it. I don't know if you've ever heard this question before. No, I love but, it. But it's sort of like, come on, okay, just, just get to the point. You know, the, right. so the great, uh, one of the greatest Haggadahs you can get, if you can go out there and get one, I don't know if you could download online, is from the Mais Hashem, Rebbe Lezer HaRofei Ashkenazi, uh, which is really part of a huge work on Chumash. He's the author of the Yosef Lekach on Megillus Esther, really one of the most original uh, thinkers that Judaism has ever produced and, 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 and in a traditional way. So he says the following. He says he's not bragging about himself. Elozeb ben Azariah was wealthy as they come. He was one of the richest young men. <laughs> he had everything. But of course, at that period, when they were sitting there <laughs> in B'nai Brak, they felt the boot heel of the Romans in such a strong, powerful way. So even though he was riding high, there was a Horbin, he said, Hareyani, you know who I feel like? I feel like the Ben Shivim Shana. I feel like the people who went through the Chorban, the people of the 70 years between Golitz, of Golitz Bovel, between the destruction of the Beis Mikdash and the Jews coming back. I feel like I'm one of them. I feel devastated. I had money, but every single day there's another terror. Every single day, who knows what other mitzvah is going to be taken away from us. How many more Jews are going to die? How many more Jews are not going to live this year? I feel like Keben Shivim Shana. I feel like one of them. I feel like I've lost everything. And therefore, and again, there's a little bit of uh, literary uh, poetic justice, poetic uh, license here. I, I can't feel to be able to speak about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim now in this depth of night. I could talk about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim when I was from a, a position of strength. I could, as you say, the hero story, the story of as the family progressed and now where we're at. But right now, he's saying, I, I feel terrible. I'm like a Ben Shivim Shana. I feel like I've lost everything. Like the whole, our whole country has been taken away from us our independence, our base amikdash, no carbon, no nothing. Ad, Shadarsha Benzoma. Now, Benzoma, this is a little bit of Kivalevich. Benzoma was always the one who saw things differently. When he went to Pardes, he saw things a little bit different. He, in some ways, people thought that he was sort of like off the grid, almost hits hits, that he, he was not the same. But Benzoma said, you know what, Elazar Ben Azariah? It's kol yemei chayecha. It's at night that you really appreciate what it is, what is. It's now in the depths of zero, when you think you have nothing, when the country's gone, when you don't have what you used to have. Now is really the time to use what it means to be God's people in Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim. Lo zechisi atshadarsha benzoma. Zoma was able to give him that thing. And I think that, it, it, it's that part, I think, uh, thanks, Charlie. But I think that's a good message, I hope, for our listeners as well. Yeah, this is the worst Seder that any, many people are going to remember in some ways. Where's, where, where are your grandchildren? Where your, where's your father? Where's your mother? And especially if you've lost people in this period that you expected to be at the Seder, to lead the Seder. 
We are like the Ben Shivim Shona right now, but we got to hear the call of the people, the out-of-the-box thinkers, the Benzomas, the ones who throughout Shah said, you know what, now, Belelos, that's when we could really tell the story, feel it, mean it. Now it's really going to mean a lot, and Mir Hashem be the harbinger of Geula. Okay, mm-hmm. I got Askama from Charlie Arari. I feel good today. So, yeah. so you can share that one if you want. Thank I don't know you. if it's. I, I hope you will, and I hope all of us will. I hope you will, you'll take some of these ideas from Charlie and myself, and and strengthen yourself throughout the next couple of days. It's going to be tough, but this has been one on one, Charlie, and and just we always have to mention sports at one time. Let's just add mm-hmm. end with the sports. Do you see there's do you see sports coming back at all? Do you think it's gonna happen soon? Yeah. What? Uh well we've lost all of our seasons. Yeah. Um I think the world's gonna come back and when it Hashem so hopefully will come back with Gula, but if not, I think the world's gonna come back very different. And, and I'll tell you just, back at some point. I'll I'll say one thing and, and you know, I know we both have a love of football, but I'm gonna say one thing. Maybe we're going to not um be <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? An accomplice to the violence of football anymore. You know what I'm saying? The, the love of football really pushes people into uh, uh, the football players themselves to bang their heads, to ruin their brains, <laughs> to smash their legs. Maybe football won't have a comeback. Maybe now that we're sitting here, we'll realize the fragility of human life. And maybe some of our uh, I may be making uncomfortable here, but maybe some of our sports mania is has been what's fueling. True, they made their money, but look how many lives were ruined and how many people got hurt. Maybe even that's going to change as well. I don't know. I think that might be a kinder, better world that's out there as well. We have to have some sports because that's what else. Have a great job, everybody. Charlie, thanks a lot again. I hope I hope we'll see if you want to. We'll see. Maybe we'll do a Cholamite special. Take care. Okay. All the best. Thank you. Good Shabbos. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.